Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. We are live, we are worldwide. My name is Travis, this is Oscar Mike Radio number 209, and I'm joined by veteran and all-around good dude who I've met before, Nick Sawal from Memphis, Tennessee, coordinator of a Reverend Warriors hike going on October 3rd. I get that right, Nick? Yep, yeah, you know Yes! It. So excited, so excited. Okay. Welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Happy to be here, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. This is part, now folks, this is part three in a five-part series about Irreverent Warriors and Tennessee. Part one was with Bobby Smith-Taylor in Chattanooga. Part two was with uh, Zach Jenkins for Nashville. And now we're joined in the first part of the state, uh, IW Memphis Memphis with Nick Sawal. Yeah, Nick, how are you doing? Uh, It's a beautiful day. I'm loving it. Well, hey, man, uh, we met, and we've met, and we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, first and foremost, kind of re-educate me and tell the folks out there, what did you do in the military, my friend? Yeah, so I was in the Army from 2008 to 2012. Um, New Year's Eve was my first day, so that was a very interesting day of basic training. Wow. Um, y'all are going to laugh so hard. So I, I was at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and uh, we showed up about... Eight o'clock in the morning, drove up early from Jacksonville, Florida, where my hometown is that morning. Um, we got there, and it was Donza, so everybody was off on a leave, essentially. So we, we stood around for like three hours, then they put us in a room, we watched a movie, um, went back outside, stood around for a couple more hours, um, went inside, They, they we had a pizza party. I shit you not. <laughs> they gave us pizza because the chow hall was closed. Um, and yeah, that was that was my first day in the military. So Relaxing Jackson gets his name. Honestly, I can tell you that. I was quite surprised. <laughs> that was nowhere near like my first day in the Marine Corps experience there, Nick. Yeah, at I'm, all. Wow. I'm sure. Wow. Uh, You're was, not even Air Force. That's the thing. Yeah, wow. I know. That's, that's regular Army back in 2008. Like, we were... We were still heavily at war, like still are technically, but yeah, you know, yeah. It was, so, it was but the height. we were going into the surge in Iraq and all that. It's a party. Hey, just sit there. You want to watch the movie? No problem. We'll get the Netflix yeah. going for you. <laughs> and, and, you know, now welcome to basic train. So yeah. what, what, were you infantry or what did you do in the army? No, was, my, my official job was communications repair. So it was a 94 echo. Um, I joined at 20. So prior to enlisting, I, I played mechanic uh, coming out of high school, and then I went to school and got an associate's degree, and uh, officially it's show production and touring, so sound and lights and all that fun stuff. But I, I, I went home theater side and did real high-end home theater for a while. All right. And, uh, yeah, fun stuff. But during college, I was a mechanic. So I worked at a tire shop, did tire changes and oil changes and alignments. So I, I learned a lot of uh, tips and trades and uh, fun stuff for being a mechanic, just little tips. So I got through basic training, cakewalk, as I previously mentioned. Um, AIT wasn't much harder. That was at Fort Gordon in Georgia, Augusta area, beautiful area. But I uh, spent six months there, and then I, I was PCS'd to – there's a reminder that we have a meeting <laughs> – we're, but, we're uh, early. We, yeah, we're early. We're all about it. Absolutely. Um, from Fort Gordon, I got PCS to Fort Knox for my first duty station. So 3rd Brigade, 1st Infantry Division had just wrapped up their deployment in Iraq. 
and returned to Fort Hood. And then that whole unit was in the process of moving from Fort Hood to Fort Knox. So it was actually the Nadal Hassan shooting happened at the, uh, the Behavioral Health Center in 2009 wow. that my unit was demoting in. So had, had I been a little earlier and been down at Fort Hood, I might have been part of that. So thankfully I wasn't. But once the whole unit moved up, we had a couple guys that were in that building when it happened. So that was crazy times back then. Absolutely, absolutely. And, it, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research on that. He shouldn't have even been there. Right. It, it's surprising that he was allowed to serve as long as he, he was with yeah. what they knew. And, you know, just, just a little sidebar, I've asked several officers, Army, Navy, you know, Marine Corps, Air Force, I'm like, you, you know, if, if an enlisted guy did that, you'd all be about hammering him. But yeah. you all kind of let him keep doing it. And Yeah, you get that rank and – people start ignoring the issues. I was reading an article about that the other day about how toxic leadership gets to be toxic leadership because by the time they get that high in rank, um, it's pretty much nobody's, they can't throw the hammer at them because then everybody that allowed it to happen to that point would have to be held accountable. And it, it just doesn't seem to happen. No, and, and this is where I told one of the officers, said, you, you wonder sometimes why, you know, you, you get out and some of us prior enlisted don't really, you know, take your word as, you know, it's not like what when you're in, sir. You, you know, you're not standing in front of formation anymore. We have to sit there and go, yay, yeah. when you say something, you got to earn it. And, and a lot of you didn't earn it when you were in, so you, you got to earn it now. So. Yeah. Disappointing, disappointing. So you, you served from 2008 to 2012. 2012. So okay. I, was, I was one of the, I think I was number 20 at Fort Knox as part of my unit. So I got there as an E3 with 20 other people there. So we had a, a colonel, we had a couple like E6s, E7s. I was in a 6-4 CAV um, E-troop, so we were the, the maintenance and transportation company attached to the uh, infantry brigade combat team is the whole thing, but our, oh, wow. our squadron is part of that. A squadron means aircraft, right? Uh, we were cavalry, okay, so cavalry. We, we were a CAV squadron. Nice. Um, took a while to learn the lingo for that, but it, it was fun. It's, it's amazing. The army and the, and, and how everybody else works is different. So, mm -hmm. but the same, so you do four years. Mm -hmm. Did you deploy overseas at all? Or were you primarily stateside like me? Yeah. So like I, like I mentioned before, um, my unit, when I arrived, had just gotten back from Iraq. Okay. So we had the 18 month, uh, I guess, retraining and get ready for redeployment again. So I, most of the guys that I went to basic and AIT with immediately went to Iraq because we had that surge back in 2009. Right. So I, I guess I got lucky, depending on how you look at it, uh, to stand up the unit and then go through all the training that we needed to to get ready for deployment. So I had almost 18 months by the time I finished training to actually learn my job, get proficient at it, and become a unit with the people that I was with. Oh, wow. So we, we deployed to Afghanistan in January of 2011. Um, we were in Coast Province, right on the Pakistan border. Um, Salerno was our main hub. I was at Camp Clark. And then we had two small OPs, Wild and Dicey. 
We were up in the, uh, the mountains, and we played uh, border security between Pakistan for, for most of the tour. Wow. So you do that for four years, and, and does it, was it just, you know what, I've done my four years, I'm ready to get out, or, you know, you're ready for a yeah. change? I was, I was ready to start a family. Okay. So, so got back from Afghanistan. Uh, I arrived back stateside New Year's Eve. So me and New Year's Eve, we got all kinds of stories. I'm telling you, I'm going to come to your house for New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I turn up. Nice. So um, actually, typical story. met a girl my first night back, and shit you not, five months later, we're married. Well, you're from Memphis. That sounds like a country and western song. <laughs> Almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I actually grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. So she's actually the reason how I ended up here in Memphis. I was getting ready to ask. I'm like, wait a minute, going from Jacksonville, Florida, and you know, near the ocean to Tennessee. Oh, it was beautiful down there. Yeah. So I, I was. I'll, you were we'll get that in a minute. But uh, so we got married a couple months after that. Started talking about getting out, having a kid, doing all that fun stuff. So her parents are retired Navy, and they are contractors here in Millington. Okay. So we. When I was looking for jobs, getting out post-service, I was looking near Georgia. So I, I had a couple offers near Atlanta area. Um, John Deere was offering because I played mechanic most of my time. I, did, I skipped over that. So my official job was combo repair, but I was on the recovery asset in Afghanistan. So even though I wasn't a mechanic, they put me through hotel aid school, which was the recovery class. I was the first combo person to ever go through it. Top of my wow. class. It was a good time. Um, and then I, I played mechanic stateside to help him out and then over in Afghanistan. So anytime they got blown up, broke down, whatever, I was either the attached mechanic out with the, uh, the cab guys or I was on QRF as the recovery asset to go get them. Hey man, I mean, that's no joke. I mean, I didn't deploy overseas, but let me tell you what, when we went out to the desert, you know, 30, 40, 60 miles and one mm. of the five tons broke down all of a sudden that, that H&S uh, tr- motor transport guy became the most important yeah. person in the battery <laughs> yeah. real quick. So one five-ton going down, it, it, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. So you, you get out and you, you move to the Memphis area from Jacksonville and you settle so down. We, we moved down to Blue Springs, Mississippi, which is about okay. two hours south of here. So being – Talking about her getting pregnant, we either needed to be close to my family or close to her family. Okay. So I, when I was looking at job offers, the best job offer I had was through Toyota to work down in Blue Springs, Mississippi as an industrial maintenance technician. Okay. So they have a car manufacturing plant down there. They make the Toyota Corolla. So we, we went house hunting, found a house in uh, New Albany, Mississippi, which is about 10 minutes up the road from Blue Springs, and uh, moved down there as soon as I got out. So I got out with uh, terminal leave. We got out first week in November of 2000. Not New Year's Day. Not New Year's Day. <laughs> okay. So you're out, you're in, you're in, you know, uh, Mississippi. Bumfuck Mississippi, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, I, I lived not in Mississippi, but I've gone through it several times, and you can get out in the sticks very easily. Yeah. So New Albany, they have, like, maybe four red lights in the town. Um. Nice, nice, quiet country living. So, uh, fun fact to live in there, I actually got to vote to repeal prohibition. <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't allowed to sell liquor. They'd sell beer. 
And then while I was living there, we got to vote for Amendment 7, which made it legal to sell liquor in town limits. So you exercised the right you, you defended yeah. for a good cause. Absolutely. I love it. Love it. All right. So we're, we're down in Mississippi. And then what brings you back to Memphis? So shortly after moving down there, me and the woman that I fell in love with my first time back from Afghanistan, surprise, surprise, that relationship did not work out. So she moved back with her parents up in the the Drummonds area up here in Tipton County, uh, north of Memphis. Um, Her parents were still contractors up here. So she moved up here. And as soon as I uh, got through the one year lease on the house that we had got, I, I found a job up here and moved to the Memphis area. All right, so, and, and folks, that's a story that repeats itself and is not as old as time, but still, yeah. it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, not fun. It's, it's not fun going through it. I, I yeah. feel you. I feel yeah, you. Not, not at all. So she was, she was pregnant. Um, my daughter, Catherine, was born August 30th of 2013. So we, we had the lease through November, so it was October. I finally said, screw it, keep my safety deposit or security deposit, and I moved up the area in October of 2013. So you're in Memphis in 2013. When does Irreverent Warrior start coming to play? Because it's 2020 now, and, right. and it's like 2016, 2017, they started getting going. So, you know, how, how did Irreverent Warriors play into where you are now? Yeah, so when I moved to Memphis, I didn't know anybody except my ex-wife, which is a, a it's, it's not much from how I was in New Albany, but I, I knew people that I worked with. Um, I tried to get plugged in with the church, so I met a couple people there. But other than that, I had no veteran connections. I, I didn't know anybody. Right. And then I was invited. I met one guy, and he invited me to a Facebook group called Memphis Area Veterans. So they, they kind of did what IW does. Um, I'll, I'll use that loosely where they, they get veterans together and just get everybody to get out and get out of isolation. So they would meet up at a bar uh, called Flying Saucer every Monday night for pint night. And then a couple of the guys in the group, they saw what Donnie did in California and said, hey, let's let's do that here in Memphis. So this was 2016. Okay. So I, I helped them out with that. Um, I said, hey, my, my work would like to be involved. We... Uh, we have a charitable outreach group called the Memphis Committee at the time, and uh, the focus was youth with disabilities. So I got veterans to be included in that because a youth is technically up to 25, and I was in that age range at the time. Um, and coming back from war, most of us have disabilities. So we, we, we definitely got my employer plugged in through that, and I got them on as a sponsor. So they, they're like, oh, you can get sponsor money for this? How about you keep doing that? <laughs> so then I went around and I fundraised a couple hundred bucks just to cover the permit costs, get water for everybody. Um, we got T-shirts for everybody, put the sponsors on the back of the shirt. And it was, it was a good time. So we, we did the first hike in 2016. Um, unfortunately, the week before that hike, um, my, my grandmother died. So I, I actually missed that hike to go to our funeral. But the first hike in Memphis, we had 300 or so show up. It was uh, quite the interesting experience I've heard. So they, they pretty much did it as a, a pub crawl, which is how most of the hikes were back when it first started. But we've, uh, we've ventured away from that since then. 
so just just to kind of stop here for a second you this so this is not you've been doing this for a while then yeah and i i'm up here in the boston area but i remember the 2015 2016 2017 hikes that mm-hmm. at least in the boston area were not received that well because of that yeah. it became a pub crawl and then people yeah. got out of control and it, you it, know, it, uh, it got to be a shit show very very quickly right to be to be, to be blunt yes yeah to the point where I, I'm like, you know, I really don't, I mean, before I met Andrew, we'll get to that in a second. I, I really didn't want to be involved because I'm like, I don't drink. And if I want to get around drunk military guys, I, I've done that, been there, done that, don't want to do it. But you've been there. What I'm trying to get at is you've been there when this was a, a, a graduated pub crawl to where it is now. And you've you've been there and you've done that. How did you how did you migrate from pub crawl to what IW stands for now? It was an extremely tough transition. Yeah. So we did 2016, 2017 was my actual first hike that I attended to, and there's, there's actually a, a story with that as well. Okay. So I, I was helping them with the fundraising thing again. We had the couple guys that were doing the I'm in front of everybody and running the show. And I was fine being in the back. I enjoyed not being in charge of it, especially with the reputation that we were getting in the city. So I, I fundraised again. I helped fund the hike. Um, then the hike was scheduled for April 22nd. So back then we were trying to do it on whatever month had the 22nd as a Saturday. That's the month that we would do it okay. just for the 22 a day. So to, to get the sim- symbolicness. From sim- Symbolism. Symbolism. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so uh, that year, April 10th, um, I get a call from my ex-wife and she says, hey, um, just had Catherine at the doctor. They're saying, we, or we actually had her at the doctor the Friday before um, doing a blood draw because we didn't know what was going on with her. So they, they called her back Monday morning and they said, hey, you need to take her to Labonner Children's Hospital as soon as you can. So she left work, went and scooped her up from preschool and drove her to the hospital. I worked in the downtown area at the time. So I, I zipped over and meet them, met them there, got checked in, did most of the paperwork before they arrived. So a couple hours go by and a nurse comes into the room and he, he'd been taking care of us most of that morning. So he, uh, he said, hey, I, I can't tell you officially this is what's going on, but uh, I've been doing this for about 20 years, and unfortunately, it looks like your daughter has cancer. Wow, man. So this was two weeks before the hike. Um, my, my heart dropped, so I, I didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was going on. Um, another hour or so goes by, and uh, the doctor comes in and says, hey, we, we don't have an official diagnosis, but St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is right up the street. We're going to get an ambulance over here, transfer y'all over there, and they will take care of you from here. So that, that started a, a 10-day stay at, a, at St. Jude. So it turns out she had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, um, type B. Oh, she was thankfully considered low risk. Um, they oh, wow. caught it pretty early. Um, and they, they started the treatment plan the next day on the 11th. So we, we got over there like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, they did some x-rays and told us to get some sleep, which didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, she, she was in the best hands that she could be in right there. Well, may I ask, how, how is she now? 
Oh, she's great now. So she's okay. a happy, normal seven-year-old. It was a, a two-and-a-half-year treatment plan. So we were diagnosed in April. Um, June, I think it was June 5th, I got the phone call and said, hey, we're officially declaring her in remission. Well, that's amazing, man. So the first two hikes didn't quite go according to plan. Well, we got released from the hospital the Wednesday before the hike. Okay. So I, I let her go with mom. Um, I, I knew I had the hike coming up, and I, I knew at that point I needed the hike. So I, I was I was in a low spot. Like, that, that sucked. Like, we didn't know what was going on. We knew she was in a good place. Um, the doctors were giving us all the good news they can. It's, it's a very common cancer. It's a very treatable cancer. She's at the right age where she's not going to remember most of the bad part of her treatment. But uh, they, they assured us they would take care of her, and they did. But at that time, it was just scary. So my first hike I attended was 12 days after my daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And most of the guys, I, I didn't want to talk about it that day. Right. So a handful of the people that had been in, like I'd been working with the planet, they knew what was up, but it wasn't something that we advertised. And I, I just tried my best to just zone out and not think about what was going on. So a lot of people didn't know. Right. A, couple of, a couple of your peeps did, but still, what was it like being there with that group? So that, that, that first hike, I, I can say looking back, saved my life. Yeah. So there was, because I'd, I'd been kind of plugged in with the community, but then I took that day to meet people that I hadn't met. We had 250 people in attendance that day. Oh, my God. We were, we were still in the, the pub crawl phase. This was 2017. Right. So it was a fun day. We went. It was a twelve-mile hike. We went to six different bars. Um, I just kicked back, relaxed, and, and let loose a little bit. And awesome. Got got connections. Got plugged in with people that I hadn't met before, and those connections that I made is how I made it through the next two and a half years of her treatment plan. So you. So even though at the time it was still you know pub crawl city. Right. The purpose of a reverent warriors, which is that camaraderie and yeah. not being isolated alone, was part of your you yeah. know ability. Yeah, we to, we, we still had the mission of bringing veterans together to prevent veteran suicide. So since then, we've we fine tuned it. Um, 2018, we did one more hike. Um, we had less attendance. It was harder to fundraise. Um, we got a lot of grief for 2017 um, as with any organization there was internal squabbles amongst leadership um, people disagreeing about who was doing what and why um, there were a couple people that tried to monetize the hike um, it just got out of control quickly so we we did 2018 and at the time the Reverend Warriors is beginning to legitimize so one of them reached out to me because I was running the social media page. I was like, hey, so uh, we're Reverend Warriors and y'all are doing this hike and it's great. We love it. We'd love to bring y'all in to be part of our organization. So I, I passed the message on to the leaders of our group and they, they wanted no part of it. So they, they wanted it to be their hike. They wanted to do, do what they wanted to do without having accountability or anything to other organizations. So 2018 continued to be the, uh, the pub crawl and doing it their way. So that hike ended. Um, 
Forever Warriors, I guess, reached out behind closed doors to somebody else that was with it. Justin Reed. I'm not sure if you met him yet or not. I don't think so. No, this is not familiar. So, uh, great guy. Um, he's Army, Air Force, Marine. He hadn't <laughs> been in the Navy yet, but he's done. He's done all of them <laughs> except for the Navy and the Coast Guard because nobody cares. Um, yeah, so they reached out to him directly and said, "Hey, we we really want y'all to be part of us. Like Memphis is doing a great thing, it has so much potential." Y'all have a great community. We just we want y'all to be part of us. So they, they brought him in, took him to the leadership conference that they did, and he came back super energized, super ready, all about a River Warriors. So he reached out to me and a couple others and said, hey, I'm, I'm doing this with the River Warriors, and I want your help. And I, I, I honestly, at that point, hadn't heard of River Warriors. I didn't know who Donnie O'Malley was. Like, I, I just knew that this was this idea of preventing veteran suicide and I knew how that had affected me and it was it was a great cause so I jumped on board oh y'all are a national organization yeah let's do that like how could that possibly be worse than what we're doing now because right. we're, we're local we're isolating ourselves if we can have that national community like that's of course it's going to be better so I come on as the fundraising guy again um, and Justin Reed is, is our coordinator so a lot of the guys that were running the hike, they're like, oh, you're stealing the hike from us. You're taking our idea. And I'm like, hold on a second. Like, I'm looking back at this paperwork that we had, and it's copy and pasted from a River Warriors. I'm like, so who, who stole this idea from who? Like, y'all really talking about stealing an idea? Let's back up a little bit. Where, where exactly did y'all get this idea from? And it, 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 it got ugly for a while. So he was, he was trying to be in charge and keep the peace and, and do it so everybody could be happy. But as you know, you can't keep everybody happy, especially during what they were considering a hostile takeover. So there was, there was a lot of words back and forth, and uh, it got to the point where he wasn't able to do it with his mental health. He, he was just he, – he couldn't handle it. So he, he stepped down from his position um, – I talked to Cindy briefly and said, hey, I, I can do this. Like, I'm, I'm capable of doing it. So I, I don't want this to go away. I'm not going to let them bully their way into us not being here. So I'll, I will take over and, and I'll run it from here. So that, that's how I became coordinator because I told them to go fuck off. <laughs> and if y'all want to do a hike, y'all can do a hike. So I'm, if y'all want to promote a hike, I'll promote it in our Reverend Warriors group. Like, as long as you have the mission of preventing veteran suicide and bringing veterans together, that's on mission with what we're trying to do. Have at it. Y'all don't need me to run a hike. Unless you do, then come join us. Like, y'all are welcome to be part of it. It's just you're not going to be in charge of it, and we're doing it this way and not your way. And I, I just told them straight up that's how it's going to be. Sounds fair enough from a leadership yeah. perspective. Uh, one thing I always I asked, um, I've asked Andrew this, I've asked uh, Bobby, and I've asked Zach this. You know, the thing with the city. Tell me about Memphis because the city kind of makes each hike different, mm -hmm. and the city has its own personality. So, yeah, you, you lived in Memphis for a while, even though it's not your hometown. 
you know, I've been through Memphis a couple of times, but for the person out there who's coming to the hike for the first time or, you know, what's, what's Memphis mean to you? Because I'm thinking, you know, cotton fields, you know, a slow, you know, easy life with the yeah. river flowing by and good food and good, good music. You're not far off. I'm so not far off. Okay. We are in the home of the blues. Right. Um, big music town. We have live music all up and down Beale Street and throughout. There's tons of local artists that are amazing. Um, best ribs in the country, hands down. Wow. Um, over that. Wow. Uh, Versus Kansas City or some Indiana ribs? Yeah, Texas? all about it. So we, we got we got the best. See the dry rub. Oh, man, they're, they're so good. So oh, folks, he's putting at, it down. Mix not I'm, I'm putting around. it down, and here's how I'm going to prove it to you. So okay. at our hike, we – so we have the Memphis and May Barbecue Festival. Every May, World Championship Barbecue. So that was canceled due to corona this year and rescheduled for October 3rd, which is my hike date. So I heard that, and I was freaking out because where they do this barbecue fest is where we had planned to walk through that park and have lunch in that park. So I'm like, well, they just stole our date, but let's turn this around. I reached out to them. And I said, hey, so I already had this event planned we want to come through Tom Lee Park, which is where we're going to do lunch and where they host that. So they said, yeah, we can figure it out. But then a couple months go by and they just canceled Barbecue Fest for this year. Oh. But in my networking that I've done over the past couple of years, I've become buddies with the guy that places in ribs in the World Championship Barbecue Festival every year. Last year he came in first place. They are cooking lunch for us which is a barbecue lunch for the hike, which is free to all participants with pulled pork, pulled chicken, and ribs. So everybody that attends this hike, if they want to, can try some world championship ribs at lunch at no cost. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get out there in 2021. <laughs> just, just, just when you said best barbecue in the world, I was like, okay, and now I've got an excuse to hike it with is, you and see how this yeah. goes. How, how long is your hike? So Memphis is that, that real down home, you, you know, slower pace of life. And, mm -hmm. hey, we're not going to get too fired up over certain things. Just come here, have a good time. Yeah. Awesome. So our, our hike is 9.6 miles. We are starting at the biggest pyramid in the country, which happens to house the Bass Pro. Oh, really? Yeah. So we, we start and finish at the Bass Pro Pyramid. Um, we, we meet up in their parking lot. It's right downtown. It's right on the river. So we, we're meeting up there, and then we're, we're doing a 9.6-mile walk through downtown Memphis. So they even heard a song about walking in Memphis. It's great. Walking in Memphis. <laughs> I'll let you sing it. Well, no, I'm, I forget the words, so I'm not going to embarrass myself. Ten, ten feet so, off a bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how many hills are in downtown Memphis? Because downtown Nashville, I swear, Zach and Andrew <laughs> found every, every one of them. So the, the most change in elevation for the entire hike is 263 feet. So it's, it's not huge. We have one hill that's going to suck right after lunch. <laughs> but other than that, everything's it's pretty flat. All right. All right. So October 3rd, there's still time to sign up, right? Yeah, yeah, you can sign up until the day of the event. Um, I would encourage you to sign up early just so we can get that lunch order in. Um, when you sign up, you get to choose either pulled pork, pulled chicken, or if you want ribs or not. Wow, how am I going to so, do that? I mean, 
I definitely go. So I would do the if I was going the hike, I would definitely do the ribs followed by the chicken, and maybe get one of those females uh, who don't hurt watching their figure to give me some of their stuff. Oh yeah, that's how I would you do know, it, it. It will be buffet style. We're just taking the orders on Eventbrite just to get a rough idea of how much of what to order. So we'll have plenty of food for everybody for sure. So. You know, I, I did my first hike and saw you in Nashville, man, and that was a really interesting experience with the coronavirus. Have you adjusted like Bobby and Zach have done to keep the, you know, peace in Memphis? Because I guess Nashville was really kind of strict. In yeah, so per the health department guidance, we're, we're supposed to be in groups no larger than six. So <laughs> that's not going to happen. So our, our permit still technically hasn't been approved and stuff's changing every day. But the, the plan right now is to try to monitor, try to do it the way they want us to without their approval. So we, we are doing a first amendment freedom of speech March. So we're, I'm not calling it a protest. We're, we're peacefully assembling to discuss veteran suicide. So Memphis has a huge history of protests and even through the George Floyd and all that, it's been peaceful. So Memphis has the history of doing it the right way all the way back to Dr. Martin Luther King. Okay. So we're, we're, we're keeping, keeping that in mind. Uh, we'll be on the sidewalks for as much of it as we can. We're not blocking traffic. We're, we're peacefully marching and assembling enjoying our first amendment right to uh, be in Memphis. How, how many people do you think you'll have come hike with you? So as of right now, we have 150 signed up. Uh, oh my we God. Have 30, 35 volunteers signed up. I actually have a volunteer meeting in about an hour and a half. Um, and then we, we should have another hundred or so sign up in the next week or two just before the hike. Um, part of that Memphis laid back mentality as people don't sign up for nothing in advance, and it drives me nuts. Because <laughs> we're everybody that attends our hike, you get a free T-shirt, free lunch. Um, we're having so breakfast catered in as well. So, so they're I, taking it easy, but you're not. You're you're yeah. throttle wide open trying to I'm, get it done. I'm I'm hundred percent. So we've been planning this since two days after our hike last year, which was uh, the 14th of September. So so when do you think the hike will happen in 2021, Nick? So. I'm looking at October 2nd. So we're going to try to keep the first weekend in October as the Memphis hike from here on out. Um, weather's beautiful. Like right now it's 77 degrees outside. Yes. The lows are in the sixties. So it's, it's the perfect time. Last year it was mid September. It was hot. Um, it was hot, but down here in the South, it can go either way. It can be 50 degrees or a hundred degrees that first week of October. Well, well, I come from, I come from Boston and, and, you know, it was like, you know, 80 for the high. And then I get to Nashville and I'm like, you know, I think the hike day was like 91, 92. And I'm like, I was after lunch, I was not in a good place. It was like this. I was sweating everything out. That lunch was heavy. That lunch was heavy. I was was no joke, right? Barbecue. I ate a slider and simple sliders were on point as always. And, And then and then, you know, so Andrew and Zach, we're just going up this little hill. I'm like, little? <laughs> it just kept going. Yeah, <laughs> it, just... it was a little rough. So, um, but but a good time. And, and, you know, have you ever 
you know, you've, you've experienced this for yourself, but what's it like when a hiker comes up to you or somebody in the hike says, you know, I really, this is where I need to be today. What's that like for you, Nick? It's the most rewarding feeling. And it's, it's what makes all the effort that I put into this worth it. So this, I don't know how many people have actually planned events, but it is, it is a lot that goes into it. So we have the legalities of it, just the logistics of everything, getting people from one place to another, especially if they're slightly intoxicated, which happens occasionally at these hikes. Um, it's like herding cats. So I, I do everything that I can ahead of time just to make hike day easy. Just not even easy on me, but easy on the volunteers and easy on the hikers. I want everybody to show up have the best experience that they can and go away talking about this for the next year and already planning on coming back. But Excellent. getting, getting those little, Hey man, I needed this. Thank you for doing this. That's, that's what makes it all worth it. That's amazing. That's amazing. So um, how can people find out more about irreverent warriors and um, your hike? So all our information for irreverent warriors is on www.irreverentwarriors.com. Okay. Um, we have the full hike list, and I'm, I'm told in the next coming days, our brand new website's being launched. Oh, nice. So that, that's going to be out any day now. Um, it's been a year and a half in the works, and they're, they're finally launching the beta version of it. So that should be really cool. I'm excited to see the new design. Um, but for the Memphis hike, we have our, our local Memphis group. At, uh, just search Reverend Warriors dash Memphis, and then we have our, our local Tennessee page. Um, I'm one of the admins on, so I put most of our information on that out to the public. So that's a Reverend Warriors Tennessee. Okay, awesome, awesome. So hike starts October 3rd at the Bass Pro in yeah. Memphis, the largest. I thought the Lux. So it's bigger than the Luxor in Las Vegas. Yeah. I've been to Luxor. That's pretty freaking huge, man. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Okay. So it started as a, uh, a Coliseum type thing that did uh, basketball in it, but then it wasn't enough seating. So they built the uh, FedEx Forum. Okay. All right. And yeah, because you've got the Grizzlies that play in Memphis, correct? Yep. Yes, we do. All right. Well, I'm, 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 all right. It's working out. So <laughs> you're going to start the hike. It's not a little over nine miles long. A good, yeah. good lunch. Slow, slow, and, slow and steady pace. So. Registration opens at 8. Um, we have Wally Hatchets is providing free breakfast burritos for everybody. They're a local veteran-owned restaurant. Was Wally Hatchet? Wally Hatchets. W-A-L-L-E-Y Hatchets. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, delicious food. Um, we'll, be, we'll be doing the post-hike brunch there as well on Sunday. Um, at registration, we're also going to do our uh, car smash that we started doing last year. Oh, I love so that. Spider Off-Road is one of our sponsors. And what their sponsorship is, is they tow an old vehicle up to the pyramid, rope it off, and then leave a couple sledgehammers for us. So I'm, I'm going to send you the picture so you can kind of post it up here. Yeah, well, I, I want to. I'll put it in the video just now. So who, who's that, Spider Off-Road? Spider Off-Road. Last year was a minivan. <laughs> and <laughs> it was... It was so destroyed. So the first couple hits we sell for 10, 20 bucks, whatever, to bust out the windows. So if you've never busted out a window on a vehicle and you've always wanted to, get to the hike early. We'll have a baseball bat for you. Throw the organization 20 bucks. 
that window's yours. So that, that, mini, that. Yeah, that minivan had driver, passenger, rear, 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 passenger, driver, windshield, eight, eight windows. So we made 120 bucks just for our organization, just off the, the smashing the windows. That's, that's once, what, now, folks, this is what I like about Nick when I met him in February. He, his mind is going to different places that I wouldn't even think of. So what I'm saying, folks, he's a creative mind. And I'm listening now because this is awesome. <laughs> So once, once all those windows are smashed out, we have some 10-pound sledges, 20-pound sledges, and the baseball bat still, and you just go to town on it. So by the time we were done with the post hike, all the doors were ripped off. It was smashed in. Like, there was – we didn't get it out of there immediately, and there was a, a car club that meets in, in our spot where we have the registration. They meet there every Saturday night. So I remember the next week somebody tagged me in a YouTube video of all these guys at a car club trying to guess what happened to this vehicle. Because <laughs> we're meeting under an overpass. So we're under the overpass. They're like, did it fall off? Like, they didn't know what happened. Like, it, it was – you're going to enjoy the picture because we have a before and after picture, and uh, it, it was good. So that's, that's part of the registration, just letting loose, hanging out. Uh, we'll have music playing the whole time. And then eat your burrito – then we, we go for a walk, 9.15. Awesome. So, say, look, folks, if you're in the Memphis area or even uh, outside the Memphis area like I am and other people are, there's no excuse. Go to reverendwarriors.com, click on the uh, Memphis uh, hike location, yep. get all the info. You have a Facebook group and you have a Facebook page Correct. for Reverend Warriors, Reverend Warriors Memphis. It's just amazing, Nick. And, and, you know, you really saw some people having a good time, some people that weren't alone anymore. Uh, talking if I to can give a give a shout out to my sponsors real quick. Absolutely, help do us, it. Help do us it. Us on. So we have four wheel parts. Um, they did a car wash for us. We raised a good amount of money there. Um, we partnered up with the VFW, the Robert T. Jamison Post fifty sixty six. Um, Aperture Solutions is one of our sponsors. Aqua Pool Solutions, Spitfire Bar and Grill is a veteran owned establishment up in Tipton County, former mm-hmm. Marine or current Marine. Marines are always Marines. Like, I always get messed up with that. It's still proud. Um, Memphis Sport and Spine is our chiropractor, so they will be out on hike day doing free exams on your back to let you know how jacked up it is before and after the hike. Um, Sokio Sullivan's is one of our stops. It's a Irish bar on Beale Street. Awesome place. We'll, we'll be there uh, after lunch. Um, Tate Brothers Automotive, they, they may or may not be making a hitch-mounted stripper pole for us. So that, that may or may not be at the hike, no promises. Um, Firestone donated a gift card that we're going to be giving away very soon. Uh, Hook Point Brewing is a local veteran-owned brewery. He's a former F-16 pilot, awesome dude. He's awesome. donating beer for everybody for the after party. <laughs> and then we All have right. Cage Fury Fighting Championships, and lunch is provided by Homer Skelton and Millington. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, there is absolutely no excuse not to go and have a good time. If you're a veteran who's like, well, I can't make friends and, you know, I don't have anything to do, uh, that's not the case here. So uh, get involved. Uh, You can volunteer and you can be part of this. And hopefully in 2021, yours truly will be out there, Nick. I'd love to come out and check this out. Yeah, that's a great time. Plan on October 2nd next year. All right. All right. 
Well, folks, as we wind down 209, this is really, again, part three of a five-part series about irreverent warriors in the state of Tennessee. And it's my understanding that Tennessee is kind of like three states into one with Memphis, Nashville, and like Knoxville, Chattanooga on the, on the right-hand side. They're, they're different in all of them. That's my understanding. That's what I remember is, first of all, I remember, like I told Bobby, I drove through Tennessee and it's like long. Yeah. I'm like, when am I going to get out of this state? It's oh like my seven God. hours long. Yes. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yes, yes. And then it changed. Like Memphis was, you know, very flat and, and yep. you know, farm country. And, you know, Nashville's kind of like more wooded, little rolling hills. And then the Smoky Mountains hit. And that was really different. So all good stuff, all good stuff. But everything about you, what you're doing is, is for veterans and, and to prevent veteran suicide. It's so Absolutely. important now. Well, we're going to wind this down. I, I can't wait to see the pictures from this hike. I can't wait to get involved uh, more and more. I, I really believe the mission of IW and want to thank you for your time, Nick. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, as we say in Oscar Mike Radio, mission in flight. And we're going to see Nick here very soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.